Nice. Well, this is Stagger Lee being joined by producer Joe from the Working Fans Podcast. Thank you for coming, Joe. No problem. I'm happy anytime we can talk AEW. That's why I took this opportunity, honestly, because AEW is more exciting promotions or one of the more exciting things in wrestling in the past couple of years, I would say, honestly. Oh, yeah, they're on fire. They're on fire with what they're doing. And, and it's only been two years. Can you believe it? It has flown by. Uh, there's actually this one guy that I'm friends with, a tape trader on Facebook, where I've got the entire AEW run up until now. I started out collecting the pay-per-views when they had them. Now yeah. we have yearly sets with the dynamites, darks, dark elevations. I love it. it I do too. Um, well, I, why don't we start with some news? Um, I got to ask you, do you know what happened that everybody's coming down on Kenny Omega all of a sudden this week? I am not aware. I know the wrestling world is 50-50 on Kenny Omega. Especially okay. if you're a fan of Jim Cornette, a lot of those people are very down on him. I don't um, know in particular what he did this week, but it's been a busy week for me. Okay, well, that's cool. Um, anyway, I was just wondering if you heard anything. I, I've seen a lot of chatter, like everybody lay off Kenny Omega, or they're giving up Omega shit about something. I don't know what it's about. I mean, I did see that he got like a P pro wrestling illustrated award. So it might be that because the last couple of years, he's been the pro wrestling illustrated's number one wrestler. I think he is this year too. Okay. A lot of people have had problems with that in the awards that he's getting, which I think he's a good enough wrestler. I mean, what he did in Japan coming with up with the Bullet Club was major. Yes, but it was. And like being able to come to the U.S. and have a degree of success, that's wild too. And I thought I, he com- put the company on his shoulders for a good part of the I, I think he's so done nothing but good for him. And, he, and he's brought a lot of great wrestlers in. So, well, I don't know what people's problem is with him, but somebody had a problem with him this week. Um, uh, another thing in news is I had, uh, WWE is, uh, heavily looking at Wardlow. It's been confirmed by many people that Wardlow's been a thing for WWE. And I really hope he doesn't go with them because I think they will kill that character and possibly make him another Ryback. Yeah, it's not surprising they like him, given his build and his relative inexperience. The The only reason that his inexperience is a positive is because WWE is looking at more guys that they can develop. Like, that's why they're going for college athletes right now. But yeah, they are. Yeah. right in Vince McMahon's wheelhouse. Definitely. So... Um, I, I, from, from what I've heard though, is Wardlow's happy with AEW. He's happy with where he's going and he should be because I think they are building his character, how it should be built and, uh, that there's nowhere to go but up for him in AEW. So I don't see a reason for him to leave other than money. Yeah. AEW has done, they've made very few missteps, I think. 
I'm not saying they're perfect by any means, but the Wardlow buildup, it's been, to me, perfect because it hasn't been too quick. It hasn't been too slow. It's been, like, perfectly paced as it goes on. Oh, I agree with you 100%. It's gone, it's gone smoothly. It's got me interested. He's got beef with MJF uh, going on at the and same that's time. that's been simmering. That's been like, what, six months they've been building that up? Yes, it's that long-term booking that I love in wrestling. That I love in back in the day. And AEW's done it with other guys, just not Brock Anderson. They did yeah. it with Hook, and I think that's led to some of what made what's made Hook so appealing is You've seen enough, but like it leaves you wanting more the more you see it. It definitely does. Yeah, you, yeah, they're doing they're doing things right. Um, let's see what else. Um, oh, uh, I jump in with the big GCW news that GCW is going to be on mainstream pay per view. If you yeah. have never caught a GCW show, tune into the Fight app. Tune into major pay-per-view next Sunday, 8 p.m. The Road to the Hammerstein, they've been building up for it. They've got some major matches. Just announced Moxley is coming back versus Hamas. That in itself is getting me to get the pay-per-view. You got Cardona <laughs> versus Janela. Another in- one that, that, yeah. that alone get me the pay-per-view i i love both those guys especially what with what how cord cordona's done in the independence he's uh a different guy altogether. have you seen the recent run where joey janela is doing the rick flair from god the early 90s where he photoshops himself in with chelsea green yes i saw i saw something on that just today (laughs) <laughs> and I love the nostalgia in that And that's building up that match perfectly Now it I'm is. a big GCW fan And I'm going to predict that at the Hammerstein They haven't announced anything yet But I'm going to say it's got to be Jeff Jarrett versus Effie Bold prediction But uh, you've been watching them a lot longer than I have So I I hope it is Because that sounds like something I want to buy give, let me give you my money please yeah Briscoes I feel are going to be on that they're building up this show huge like well the Briscoes man they're they're just a tag team that needs to be number one at some point yeah and like they've been huge on GCW they're they're going to be huge at the Hammerstein like I can't oh. wait to see it. I'm not going to be going, unfortunately, because I screwed up the days that it's on. But I will be ordering this pay-per-view. And anybody listening, give this pay-per-view a try. Like, I can almost guarantee... You know, I'm not even going to say I can almost... I can guarantee you're going to get your money's worth. Yes, if you are a true wrestling fan, you will get your money's worth with GCW. I 100% agree with that. Now, um, do you have any other news before we get on to this AEW talk? Because there well, are so I got, many I got good that. matches this week. There is. Uh, just one more thing that um, 
uh, MLW, they filed an antitrust lawsuit against uh, WWE for some reason. Yeah, from um, what I understand, when MLW was trying to get on the Tubi app, and when they were talking to Vice, somebody from WWE basically said that Vince would be... It gave the impression that Vince would be unhappy if they did business with them. So right. as far as I know, MLW has only put on the, out the Fightland special on Vice, and they've gone back to YouTube, which you gotta see how this plays out in the courts i feel like it's a stretch but not too many people take on that wwe so there could be a chance that they win this but to me it just feels i think mlw was hurt more by AEW than it was by wwe and neither of these i feel are suing situations it's just a situation where you got the lower end of a deal and it it's tough because i really like mlw i think they deserve to succeed but the wrestling business is a very hard business to contend in and not true. every company is going to survive true and and they got to learn to deal with that um we got also chris jericho's rock and wrestling rager at sea was canceled yeah, till 2000. yeah it was canceled till 2023 oh wow they put it off another year yeah i don't know why but yeah that's that's all i have in news that's i want to say that's surprising given how successful the rock and the the cruise has been I know. Well, we'll have to see what the details are on it. Maybe there's... Uh, it's got to be COVID because getting that many people in that small uh, community on a boat and who knows what the vaccination restrictions, mask restrictions, or lack thereof have been. Maybe restrictions were in place that weren't agreed with, so they decided to put it off and see if everything calms down that is just pure speculation but it it's kind of hard it to me it's not surprising because given the bump in covid lately you, you got to take precautions and that's a potential to get a whole lot of people sick true true and and we want to keep everybody safe at the same time so i can understand that decision and uh uh I, I wish I had the money to go on that. I know. That, I've got a friend that's gone on like the last three. And it's like, oh, part of me is jealous. But then another part of me is like, well, fuck. I don't know if I'd want to be on a boat for that long. I've seen <laughs> the movie Titanic. I've got a touch of anxiety and paranoia. And the whole time, like, we're in the Caribbean and I'd be worried about an iceberg. That's just how shit works. <laughs> Well, I could see that. Well, um, I guess we'll go right into Dark Elevation, if you yeah, will. This, uh, this we had on Monday night. I want to talk about the opening match because this is the match. Jay Lethal and Sonny Kiss versus Jaden Valo and Chris Steeler. And the first thing I took away, because we're just going to go over the dark elevation results. I'm going to let you go over them, but I wanted to bring this up because I thought Jay Lethal and Sonny Kiss was a better team 
than Janela and Sunny Kiss. Honestly, they seem to fit better. They do, but I I don't like that they're pairing Jay Lethal with anybody. He's he's a good enough performer on his own. Yeah, they only really matched them up because they were in Jersey, and Sunny Kiss is the Stone yeah. Rose of Jersey. Yeah. Jay Lethal is from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Makes sense. I'm glad that a thrown together tag team like this was on Dark Elevation because if this was on Dynamite, you and me would be complaining about the match more yeah, so than we are now. It would have been horrible, more horrible than I thought. But I hope they don't they don't stick Jay Lethal in this kind of role because Jay Lethal is one of the most talented wrestlers in the world. Oh, yeah. 100%. And we will be talking more Jay Lethal when we get to Dynamite. But if you want to continue on with Dark Elevation, the thing I like about this show, a lot of short matches. Like, yeah. I wrote timestamps for each of these. Like, the first match, two and a half minutes, 2.32. Nyla Rose and Emi Sakura versus Sky Blue, Tina San Antonio, 2.44. There we go. Pat Keep going, because we'll, we'll just go through them all. All right, Pat Brink and Miles Hawkins versus FTR, three minutes and eight seconds. Red Velvet, legitly Lahirsch versus Notorious Mimi and Becca, minute 50. Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ryan Clancy, 123, as a Powerhouse Hobbs match should be. Did you did you check out Ryan Clancy and his like his Charles Atlas pose he did? I did. I was not very impressed by this guy. Like, I, I did not like him at all. They need to not do him again. So, I'll accept it on Dark Elevation. You pull that shit off on Dynamite, no. I'm going to start complaining. And that's why I like Dark Elevation. Like, I probably said it off there, but to me, this feels like the 1980s WWE superstars where you get 10 matches, you get a bunch of stars. And then you get, like, these extra guys. Yeah. Now that we're getting into the back end of the show, the next match, Zach Clayton versus QT Marshall. This went two minutes and 53 seconds. And this Zach was- Clayton was was on on uh, Jersey Shore. Is that true? Is that- I was just about to mention that because this oh. match had... He was He's engaged to Wow from the Jersey Shore. Wow and Snooki were at ringside. They were there. I saw them, yeah. Yeah, because this took place in Jersey. And this is like the biggest feature that this show had, I would argue. Now, coming up next, Avery Good versus Andrade Alidolo. This was two and a half minutes. Now, I follow the indies pretty close. And Avery Good has wrestled the past few years as a guy called a very good professional wrestler. Now, his name <laughs> is Good. <laughs> yep. So now his name is Avery Good Dash Professional Wrestler. Oh, this guy, man. I hope, gets a contract because he is a personality. But it's good. Like, that's why I like Dark and Dark Elevation is I pay enough attention to the indies that you get to see these guys that you might be familiar with. Yeah, I love it. I love it that they they give these guys an opportunity to come up and at least get some exposure. I would argue that's how Bear Country got a contract because they were on Dark for a while. And then they, they were good enough that they got signed. They're another team 
from the Northeast Indies beyond wrestling that caught on and really got people's eye. Now and the I, next, I, I like Bear Country. I do. Yeah, they should have a bigger spot in wrestling. They the should. And I think oh, they're getting it. Oh, the go next, ahead. Go ahead. The next match is Kevin Matthews and Joey Ace versus the Acclaim. Three minutes, 29 seconds. Dante Martin versus Action Andretti. A minute 31. Even though you didn't get a ton of time, Dante Martin really showed what he can do. He did. The main event of this match is the Blade and Private Party, another team that I saw a lot in these Northeast Indies, versus John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and Ted. That was four minutes and one second. What was your overall impression of this show? The the show, um, it just fell flat to me. It it seemed like... uh a good way to put over talent but uh it didn't grab my attention enough yeah it's not a bad show it really just gets over some of your stars that might and, not and, be featured on major shows but it's paul not white a- paul white and uh mark henry have a long way to go in the commentary field um oh yeah and this is a perfect place for them because this is a good place to learn. It's on YouTube. Plus, there's no promos. This is just match after match after match, not major matches. So, it's an easy enough wrestling show. And this is if you just want your dry turkey wrestling. No yeah. filler, no extra. This is just meat and potatoes. It reminds me of the old days with NWA on TBS, honestly. Oh, yeah. You get those Saturday night matches where you and as we get into dark, we'll talk about like kind of peppering a promo in here and there. But this is just wrestlers and unknowns, unknowns to the average person. Obviously, if you watch the indies, you'll be a little more familiar with these guys. Yeah, and you will. And there are a lot of indies that they give exposure to and big ups for that on AEW. Another thing that they're doing right. But yeah, uh, let's get something... into dark. Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, I was just going to say that you have guys like Jay Lethal runs a wrestling school down in Florida. And being in Florida, you can get a lot of these students and the the wrestling game in Florida is so deep that there is so much talent that you can supply a dark in a dark elevation with like beginners. You can supply it with mid-level guys. Like I'm just so excited about what they're doing down there, but AEW dark, let's get into it because this is like dark elevation with promos and you get a little more to the matches, which I like. They actually advance storylines more true they do and and i like that and if you guys listening want to see want to hear what i'm kicking you around is just doing the results to dark elevation and going a little bit more depth in, in depth into dark we'll just see what everybody has to say on that leave your comments oh yeah 100 percent. let us know in the comments because Stagger Lee and I, we are learning as we go. You know, you got to walk before you run. And we really want to know what's resonating with you. What's working better? Because 
we're just putting out the best possible show we can and we hope it entertains but like if you have feedback if you have something you want to hear if you have something you don't want to hear let us know either way definitely definitely and you can do that on facebook at unscripted violence uh i was gonna say you created a group for that right yeah i did and the group's exactly for it for that and that only and well you can talk wrestling all you want on there i i don't mind (laughs) really just keep it respectable like the internet and especially social media has become so toxic and like on our show the working fans podcast we try and not talk negative about anything and talk about what we like right if like more people did that in life maybe maybe it'd be a better world i'm not saying we can all change it but just try and be a little more positive cut out the negative like there's enough negative out there focus on what you like it's a short life definitely advice to live by but let's get into dark it was at charlotte north carolina um commentators were excalibur and taz and we start off with the captain sean dean and liam cross what's what's your opinion on the captain i like that they're making a guy off of an mjf storyline like obviously the focus is cm punk mjf but the fact that sean dean has a shirt out now should kind of give you an idea where they view this guy i'm not saying he's going to be a big talent but the fact that they're building another name that seemingly came out of nowhere that's exciting and that's one of the things that makes AEW attractive as a wrestling choice and i like him i like sean dean i think he's got a lot to offer i think he's a bit green definitely but if they just stay behind him and keep giving him a little bit i don't don't pump him up but it's the start of a new year he got a win over mjf if this guy was even in tnt title contention i think it would make him interesting it would it would and then next we got the governor anthony agogo versus baron black baron black another up-and-comer too He's been on the show a bunch, but how do you feel about Anthony Agogo getting the governor name when Martin Stone, a.k.a. Danny Burch, had the same name in NXT? Is it... Is it, it's a, it's- it doesn't bother me, probably because I I think of it as in terms of British, British culture, to where they call, call each other governor, yeah. you know... Uh, uh, so so that's what I'm thinking it is I I don't know I mean I'm not the biggest fan of it because I really like Danny Birch or Martin Stone as he was known on the indies but yeah, I like Danny Birch a lot yeah I mean you can't really argue against it if it's not trademarked right I mean it- I would love if Danny Birch came in and like competed for the name with him maybe that would be interesting but i'm not gonna fault him for it i just i'm a danny birch fan so i gotta bring it up right on um then we go backstage with matt hardy and hardy's asked about the match with him and isaiah cassidy uh, uh, about the match with isaiah cassidy and serpentico 
versus Hangman Adam Page, 10 and 5. And it says, they say if Matt Hardy's team wins, Matt will have the opportunity to fight Page for the strap on Dynamite. Um, Just a promo on that. Then we I like the- that it gave that main event stakes. I mean, it did. It was built up because it was in Matt Hardy's home state. There was no way he was going to win it, but I appreciated the effort that they put into it. Yeah, they did. They did take that attention to detail that that is is needed to make us not feel so dumb. But then we had Red Velvet versus Shalance Royale. And Shalance annoys me. And she does her job well with that opera scene. I don't know what, what kind of gimmick that is. Uh, to be fair, she had a minute 20. So she had to get over the best she could. I was annoyed by it. But it gave her that little bit that made her stick out that you would remember her so I, I can't fault her for it true true it, it's, a, it's a good device that she used uh, then we got Marcus Cross T.I.M. or Tim and Patrick Scott versus the Gun Club um, Billy was delayed in the entrance for a while I uh, was surprised they caught they called that out like I figured it was a part of the production, and then when Justin Roberts said it, I'm like, oh, that's a dude that's playing on the fly that doesn't know. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, the match was 41 seconds, so. Yeah. They they just basically said, Austin and Colton said if they say the ass boys chance, they're going to leave, and they walked up the ramp, and Billy pretty much decimated everybody, and, and... that was the win on there. Uh, yeah, I, if this was dynamite, I'd complain, but it's dark. You're getting them over. I'm fine with that. Yeah, not much to say on that one. Uh, backstage, we, Daniel Garcia is asked about his match with Fuego del Sol. And uh, he's. I would he's, say his best promo. He's not great on the mic, but he's not he's not bad either. No, and I think it really stood out that he was able to flex his own skills here rather than have 2.0 talk for him. True, and I'm not a fan of 2.0, honestly. They haven't hooked me in. I don't mind them, but I also don't super enjoy them. I would like Daniel Garcia if they brought him in on his own. With Definitely. The idea of having him with 2.0, not terrible. I don't. I, I don't see it, them as as trios contenders. If if AEW were so inclined to have a trios tag tag team championship, yeah. I, I I would not want to see these guys involved in it at all. I almost feel like they feel that they need 2.0 to get over Garcia, because 2.0. I don't know if I want to say they're good on the mic, but they can talk. They can talk more than Garcia. So they're, that's what I think they're weird on the mic to me. To me, they, they got these like Canadian slash New York accents. Uh, I can't place it. And yeah, it's definitely Canadian, but like 
yeah there's a weird touch to it and i i i don't know like i feel like we're supposed to hate them <laughs> i get a kick out of them but like in small doses yes definitely uh but anyway they they went the gun club went over on that one yeah uh, we... daniel garcia like that promo that was such a nice in-between point for this next match because ty conti and anna jay versus charlotte and robin renegade what did you think of the twin wrestlers uh they it, it didn't really matter <laughs> They, they, it didn't really matter in that one. They didn't stand out to me. Uh, I noticed Ty in this match threw some mean ass suplexes. Mean ass suplexes. She had some nice. She did a stunner. What's that? She did a stunner in there that I thought was brilliantly done. Stunner. I mean, I believe she's involved in jujitsu, so she had some takedowns that looked beautiful. Oh yeah. She looked great in this match. I, she was the star in this one to me. And uh, she'll continue to be a star, I'm sure. Oh, 100%. And then, uh, well, uh, then we have the Wingman's J.D. Drake versus Orange Cassidy. Was that? That wasn't our main event yet, no. No, that was the midway point. That was match six. But it feels like a main event because the match went nine minutes and four seconds. And this who, were, point, who were the luchadors with with Drake? I, As far as I know, they are unknown at this point. I feel like they're just... One of them years. said it was Caesar. Somebody on commentary said it might be Caesar Benone, but I didn't see the same physique. No, you would notice the height. To me, it just looked like two dudes that wore masks. Like, just people to, like, accompany him out. I was big on this match because, once again, I followed J.D. Drake since he wrestled at XWA up here. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with Anthony Henry. He ended, up on, he ended up on NXT with a different name. I'm not sure of it. But look up the name The Work Horseman. JD Drake almost came out as like this old Arn Anderson type. Anthony Henry, this slimmer, smaller, really buff athletic dude. They were a great tag team. So I've also seen Orange Cassidy at Beyond Wrestling a ton. So seeing JD Drake versus Orange Cassidy halfway through, this match got time. This stood out for me. I really enjoyed it. It was a good match. Uh, there, there was, uh, there was a great a part of it where uh, JD Drake throws orange. He's on the outside and he throws Orange Cassidy into the ropes and gives him this like European uppercut. And it, I, I just thought that uh, it was cool looking to me. I, I, I'm impressed with JD Drake. He's great. Yeah, and like. Like, I'm kind of on the borderline of how I feel about him and the wingman because yeah, I like yeah. that he's on TV. I like that they're putting Ryan Nemeth together with JD Drake. You got Cesar Bononi on there. Like, it's a weird gimmick, but it's also giving you another facet of this guy on TV. Like, anybody unfamiliar with JD Drake, research him. He is the best. 
He's he is an amazing wrestler. He is he is the epitome of pro wrestling, like what it should be. Yeah, he I, reminds you of that old NWA type guy. Definitely, definitely. And then the the two luchas took shots at Orange in the in the match, and they keep doing that on the outside throughout the match. Uh, Chuck Taylor and Wheeler Yuta come out, and they attack the masked men. But uh, it was it, it in the end it was an orange punch by JD Drake that ended this. And uh, JD Drake took the orange punch from Orange Cassidy and got defeated actually. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. It's just how did JD Drake give the orange punch? I don't know, but uh, he took it. He definitely took it. And, and plus like you see Orange Cassidy in this match as much as I like JD Drake. I knew he wasn't winning. Yeah, you 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 know it. You know the outcomes of these matches on the darks beforehand, but every once in a while they surprise you. I think they're fun. Like dark elevation, like we said, is super basic. Dark mm-hmm. is like dark elevation with promos and a little more storylines. So you get a little more from it. Now the next segment, or no, the next match was Aaron Solo versus Dante Martin. Not a not a great match in my eyes. Not a great match, but not terrible. Like even no. in a short match, Dante Martin is going to show you what he can do. Yeah, and and he does. He pulls out all this, all his uh, usual, I guess, things that amaze us. Uh, roll the decks out. Yeah, it's but a- it, I mean, it's a dark match. So how excited are you going to get about a three minute and sixteen? second match not very no and this is aaron solo from the factory like it's not even a member of team taz who he's been feuding with like i could do do without the factory altogether honestly i don't think that's necessary the factory is not great but I feel like they could be utilized better. Like you almost need that in-house NXT, but I don't know if they necessarily know when to get people on TV as evidenced by Brock Anderson. True. True. They'll have to work. Johnson too. They, it feels like they pushed Lee early and he was good enough, but I don't feel like we've seen him on TV a ton since then. We really haven't, if you if you think about it. And I can go through my notes. It, it it's been at least over two months. And that's fine like because like I feel like COVID pushed up a lot of these guys' appearances on TV. Yeah. Well, next we had uh, we went backstage with Jade Cargill and Smart Mark Sterling. I love his name. Now, are you familiar with Smart Mark Sterling at all? I, I am I am not familiar with him beyond AEW, honestly. So he appears on the Major Wrestling Figure podcast with Matt Cardona and Brian Myers. Oh. And that's I, where I, I, I first... I've seen him on Danhausen's uh, podcast. Yeah, like, I first became familiar with him on that podcast... And then uh, when I saw him starting to make appearances on TV, I'm like, oh, good for him. 
I believe he wrestles on indies. I'm not 100%, but I love the character he's playing right now in AEW. I love it, too. I think he's uh, he's great at what he does. Now the next match up, Eddie Kingston versus Joey Janela. I was looking forward to this. I was surprised this was a dark match. I feel like this is something you could have put on Dynamite. Like, as a fan, I'm excited for this match. You could have definitely put this on Dynamite. Uh, did you notice Janela's jacket? It was a really cool, like, Rock and Roll Express throwback jacket. Yes, I did. And I was wondering if that was supposed to coincide with, like, this announcement of, like, Janela's a fan of wrestling, but I wondered if it coincided with the announcement of the Rock and Roll Express retiring. Wow, it might have, actually. Because he's done matches with Ricky Morton, so. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, it probably was, now that you say that. The only reason I I question it is because when things get released versus when they're taped, I don't always get into the spoilers, so I never know, like, how long ago it was or who might have talked to who. True. Well, I was excited about this match, and Excalibur said it was the first time for these two ever. That's surprising, given that Eddie Kingston has been like a king of the indies for so long. And maybe it's because in the past few years, Janela's been making his slow ascent. It, it may have that they haven't connected uh, necessarily, but I was I was shocked that they never fought fought each other before, and uh, that surprised me. Um, uh, let's see, a couple of things: Janela climbed on the top rope, and he and he purposely botched, so Kayla could do a standing moonsault on the outside to Eddie, which looked really good. Yeah, she's all right. I don't know if I like her as much in the mix as I did when Penelope Ford was partnered with him, but she's good enough. You got to give it up to up and coming talent. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm look. She's got a great look. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like I'm not familiar with where she's from. I'll have to dig into that and maybe get back with it next week. She kind of reminds me of early China. Yeah, because she's like, she's not huge, but she's definitely sizable. Yeah, yeah, she's she's got that power aspect about her, and I I, I don't think Joey Janela needs anybody, but he has always had a female counterpart for the most of his career, so yeah. it's in his wheelhouse to do that type of thing. Yeah, because sometimes that gimmick that you start out with starts becoming, like, a part of what you're associated with, whether you want it or not. Yeah, but that, it works for Janela. Uh, next, we had Casey Fox versus Thunder Rosa. Uh, uh, Casey does not look good in the ring to me at this, and she was pretty awful during this match, actually. She botched a lot. Yeah, not a, not every match is going to be a winner on this. And, I mean, this went two minutes, and I, I honestly probably could have done without. 
Yeah, I could have done too. Uh, backstage, we had QT Marshall and Nick Camarado. QC says, congratulations to Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy on becoming the tag team champs. Then he says he's going to beat them in the Eliminator tag team match, which that's the first I've heard of that. Oh, the Eliminator matches? Yeah. They, um, I believe they, they might have kicked it off a year ago. And it's the term that AEW uses for when there's a match where if you get a win, you get title contention. And that's okay. something I didn't bring up before Battle of the Belts. That's how Riho had been in contention with Britt Baker. And just the same, I didn't feel any excitement for it because if you, when we talk about the Serena D match later on, Serena right. D should have been the contender, in my opinion. Well, I think Serena Deep should be TBS champion, in my opinion. Honestly. If if you're to eliminate Cargill altogether, I think the only reason they have Cargill is for your look, really. She's very green. She's not ready to have the championship. For look, but it's also so you can say that you built up a champion. It she might not be ready, but they can technically say like this is a champion we built up from nothing. True, true. She's getting yeah. there, but it feels a little forced at the moment. It, yeah, it does. But we'll get into that. Um, the next we had uh, Daniel Garcia versus Fuego del Sol. We actually had a short Alexander Moss versus Powerhouse Hobbs match. Oh, and yeah, we did. I skipped over that one. It was 24 seconds, so it's easy to miss. The torture rack. <laughs> yeah, like, this is exactly what you want to see out of Powerhouse Hobbs. Oh, it's it is. It's weird how he seems to be featured better on the smaller shows. But yeah. we're going to skip ahead to the match that obviously you just talked about that I'm most excited for. Oh, the Daniel Garcia. I know he's your guy. Uh, so Garcia looked good in this. Fuego looked good as well. But um, it was ultimately a sharpshooter by Garcia that gets the win. Yep, and it's really just setting up that match for Dynamite where Daniel Garcia is going after that interim TNT title by going after Sammy Guevara's friend and showing him what he's going to do to him. Yeah, and and that that illustrated the point exactly, as you said. Um, then we had Jade Cargill versus Sky Blue, who I really like Sky Blue. And it was pretty much a squash match, though. Minute 59, there was not much to this match. Not surprising that Jade Cargill got the win, but I would argue this could have been a match that could have been that second match on Battle of the Belts. Would have fit in maybe a little better. Yeah, it just might have, yeah. And then it we had a weird match on Dark. I'm not saying it would have been awesome, but it was just like, what are we doing with it? It was out of place for me, too. I, I didn't see really where they were going with it, but... Other than to showcase Jade. Yeah. And that, that was the purpose of it. But the next we had the tag team eliminator match. It was Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. Uh, versus uh, the Factory's 
QT Marshall and Nick Camarado. This uh, thing got eight minutes and twenty-one seconds, and I, I did not like any of it. The only thing I liked was the finish where Luchasaurus got the pin, and Jungle Boy did the Canadian Destroyer off his back to QT Marshall. Yeah, it, I mean it, that it, was the best it, part it, of it, but like it wasn't that much of a match. You knew who was gonna win. Wasn't all that exciting. Yeah, and uh, there there was a couple botches in it. QT was going into the ropes, and it was supposed to look like Luchasaurus pulled it down or something, and and Luchasaurus pulled it down maybe two inches, and QT went flying over the top in the in the Irish Whip. It just didn't look great to me. Oh yeah, that'll definitely. I, I could without QT Marshall any day. He needs to stay to be a trainer. I have no feeling to, or a jobber. I guess this is a good show for him. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're not seeing him get like a big spot on Dynamite, it's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with him, but he definitely serves a purpose. Yeah, definitely. Then we got the main event, which was Hangman, Adam Page, Allen Five Angels, and Ten. Page's first time. On uh, Dark as the champion, that is. And then we got them uh, against Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy of the HFO, and Serpentico. Uh, what'd you think of this match all together? It was a main event for Dark. It went 1427. It was good enough. Like, Dark and Dark Elevation, I don't judge too harshly because I if this were a dynamite main event I'd be upset it's a dark main event it's alright I knew page 5 angels and 10 were gonna win yeah and and that's pretty much the story with both of the darks and this is what I want to ask our listeners if they would Rather we go through the because I I love to cover AEW and everything they have to offer, but dark elevation and dark sometimes don't seem that pertinent to me in in what's really going on in the main storylines in the AEW on Dynamite and Rampage. No, and we've spent almost 50 minutes talking about it, so it's a yeah, little surprising. It's, so, it, it's really enough with it. <laughs> fans, let us know, what would you prefer? Would you prefer a shorter summary? Because I'm, we're here for the fans right now, so if you like hearing yeah. this, we'll keep doing this. If you don't like it, please let us know so we can change our path. Definitely. Just how Joe said it. But uh, now we, we get to Dynamite. It, it was in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, Tony and Taz and JR on commentary. Uh, Start off with Adam Cole coming out with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Uh, they call him Red Dragon. I call him Undisputed Era. Uh, oh, Adam wow. Cole. You weren't familiar with them in their Red Dragon phase, were you? I was not. I, I wasn't watching ROH or any other of 
the promotions at the time that they were a part of that. Oh, I have yeah. watched Red Dragon was a definitive ROH tag team. Them and the oh. Bucks have done battle in ROH in New Japan. This was they were building up such a rivalry in this that if they did this match in AEW, I'd be super excited, but kind of get into why that might not necessarily happen. Okay. Well, uh, Adam Cole, um, hang on a second. Had to take a drink of water there. Adam Cole talked about how he's undefeated in singles competition and how the boys are back together. He says it's a new era in AEW, of course, referring to the undisputed era. Yep, the baddest team on God's green. I love that. I feel like yes. that's going to be a shirt in no time. That that was a cool statement. And the Young Bucks come out and interrupt Cole. Uh, Kyle gets on and says how they, they don't need uh, the Bucks help beating the Super Friends uh, like they did the other week. And Matt says he's right and they didn't need their help. He goes on to say, this is our company and how the Bucks are the longest reigning champs in history and that they're going to put the belts back on. And then O'Reilly and Fish say that they're going to plan on getting the championships themselves and that nobody's going to stop them. And that includes you. And he points at the Bucks. Adam grabs the mic. He says exactly what that's exactly what they all need is uh, friendly competition. Then the best friends all come out. Uh, Orange has the mic. Cole addresses Cassidy and Orange tackles Cole. And then both teams go at it at that point. I thought Cole it was notable how quick Orange went for that tackle. It was. Like the quickness of that attack made him seem more like vicious if anything and can i say what a mark i am for orange cassidy how far he's come i was gonna ask if you're a fan of his because once again uh, i saw him a lot at beyond wrestling up here i found him entertaining but i i definitely and not everybody has enjoyed i i definitely love him and his entering skill just proves where he needs to be in pro wrestling i think if anything I would like to see him as AEW champ one day. Wow, you think he could go that big? I think he could. I think he has that potential, but that's just that's my biased opinion. <laughs> I would like to hope, but it's like almost like we talked about with John Silver. This might be off air at this point, but as big a fan as I am of them, I don't know if I necessarily see him championship material. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, and I'm a huge fan. That's not coming from a place of hate. That's just coming from I don't know if I necessarily see it. I I love both wrestlers as well, and I think you're right on the money. And I I think Orange is kind of on the borderline. Uh, he he could go further, but he needs something else. And I don't know what that something else is. That that X factor to him. Uh. He's he's got the gimmick down pat. We know his gimmick. Uh, he's got the look down. He's got 
the wrestling skills, obviously, but uh, I, there's a certain factor, and I can't put my finger on it. Yeah, when in he, wrestling, it's always like you need that other thing. You can yeah. have like your main thing, but sometimes you need something else, and you can't always put your finger on it. And with him, it's like the lazy kicks work the laziness to the up like the second gear that he hits that's big but what's the next biggest thing that's gonna make this guy i don't even know what it is i couldn't suggest it i couldn't either and and that's that's where i'm at with orange although he is like when he is in my top 10 of pro wrestlers i just don't know why (laughs) it's because he's a personality he sticks out amongst the pack but it's like you can stick out amongst the pack but then what are you going to stick out against that next level and how are you going to push yourself like you can't see this guy talking right um i have seen him talk and it works for his character but yeah i couldn't i couldn't ever see him He's not uh, going to go beyond that much. No, he's not going to go beyond that, especially with this character as it is now. Yeah, and it's tough. It's like, where is he going to go? Yeah, I. he's got the skill in the ring. He's got the charisma, definitely. And he's got, he's over. Uh, he just needs something else, and we don't know what that is, but something's got to give. I mean, you can hear the dogs in the back are big fans of Orange Cassidy. You can't hear that. Yeah, that's the dogs I'm sitting right now. Now, the next thing that stood out was there was a Wardlow video pack, or Chris Statlander, Britt Baker came out. They basically set up a mixed tag match for. Oh, yeah, for, for Adam. And Adam and uh, Brett against Statlander and Orange. Which that's an interesting match. That would that that's got my interest. That's I definitely. Just, I don't got... know if this whole segment had to set up that match. I feel like in a video package, like definitely not that I hated this opening segment, but. It feels like the opening segment and what it boiled down to could have been done in less time. Definitely, yeah. I, I agree with you on that. It didn't need to have as much dedicated to it as was. Uh, but then next, you're right, we had, uh, we had a vignette on Wardlow about the symphony of power bombs is what they're calling it, um, which he's been building up on the darks. And uh, that was that was well done. We got MJF's music hitting, and the MJF called, uh, came out, and he's followed by Wardlow. I, I thought MJF might have given a, a promo on that, but he didn't. Uh, it was he he just simply came out before Wardlow. So it's Wardlow versus CM Punk. Now before that, they. Put up a go big show promo and what did you think about the dude trying to do the rubik's cube while on fire oh do you God. watch Go big show and did this rope you in to watch it 
I do watch the Go Big show, actually. I've watched it. I've watched it since the beginning. And this guy is probably the craziest motherfucker I've seen. See, I haven't watched it. And when I was watching this, I'm like, all right, that's something that I might watch based on that. You got to watch it. It, it. it has some amazing shit on it. It really does. And I am I am not just saying that. And I, I could give a shit less about Cody Rhodes being on it. Anybody could be on it. But they have some just crazy things that take place that are not only like that, but are equivalent or even trump that, probably. Wow, and I'm a fan of Burt Kreischer, who's the host of it, as a comedian. So I'm oh, surprised I haven't... Yeah, he's a comedian. He's hilarious. Go look up, he has a story called The Machine on YouTube. It's probably his biggest promo or his biggest uh, bit. And I think you would really enjoy it. All right, I'll check him out. But we got Wardlow versus CM Punk. Starts off with Wardlow pretty much overpowering Punk. Wardlow goes to powerbomb Punk. Punk rolls out of the ring. Wisely, Wardlow still is is dominating during the picture-in-picture, picture, uh, which I'm not a fan of pick-and-pick, pick, but uh, then again, I'm not an enemy of it because... I'm not a fan of it because even though they're showing you the action, it's not as easy to see, and currently I don't wear glasses, so I don't pay attention to it. Yeah, there you go. I, 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 and I tend to go to the bathroom and things like that during it. Yeah, you're not giving people the incentive to watch with picture in picture. It's like if you want it, it's there, but it's gonna be like a tenth of the regular frame. So good luck. Exactly, and it, it's quite annoying. Uh, although I do appreciate it in the in the part that AEW is trying to look as look as legitimate as they can, and uh, when you get a when you get a break. A commercial break during a football game they do the picture in picture so i i get the the concept behind it it just doesn't it works right. for pro wrestling almost as much as that interim title works like it's true, <laughs> true. well every time like, i appreciate the legitimacy try but it's just it's a little too weird it is and i agree but every time Punk does an offensive move, move in this match, a, a Punk overpowers him. Punk does a series of clotheslines, and then he finally does a springboard clothesline. Takes the big guy down. Does a rising knee strike in the corner. Wardlow counters that with a powerbomb. And then that uh, is the... Uh, what do you call it? The beginning uh, of several power bombs, I would say. Uh, five to be exact. Yeah, and MJF just keeps ordering him more. Yeah, MJF just keeps telling him do more, do more, uh, until eventually it rolls on the outside. And uh, MJF says to power bomb Punk through the table, just beating the hell out of him. He demands. Uh, uh, MJF uh, demands that uh, Wardlow power bombs him again in the ring. He begins to pick up Punk, and then Punk does a inside cradle, 
with a small package for the win on this. Yeah, it catches uh, him almost by surprise. Yeah, and MJF looks frustrated. Then he gets in Wardlow's face and he starts poking him in the chest with the finger. And it looks like Wardlow's getting pissed and MJF's he grabs MJF's hand and he looks like he's gonna hit MJF and then outrun Spears, Sean Spears, and he gets in between them both and calms Wardlow down. Uh, is is Wardlow gonna become a babyface in the future? I feel like they're inching so much closer to that each week but little by little they're not doing any big moves and it's beautiful i love that aew is doing this long-term booking they're they're not like other companies they're not pulling the hair trigger on things and i like that they're telling a story to us and not treating us as idiots yeah, sometimes you really got to take your time with that storytelling and be patient with it and know that the seeds that you're planting now are going to work later. And that's one thing I thought AEW's done really good with up until now. Yeah, they have. They have. And, well, I I hope to see big things out of Ward, though. I, I really hope he doesn't go to WWE. Um, that would be a big disappointment to me because I know WWE will fuck that up. I just know it. They'll make him another Ryback or something weird. And I like Wardlow where he's at right now. And he looks great. I mean, they got a star on their hands. Definitely. Uh, next we have Powerhouse Hobbs with Ricky Starks versus Dante Martin. I know you were looking forward to this match. Yeah, and I thought Dante Martin looked better in this match than I expected. I expected a real Styles clash. I did too. Um, and it was actually a pretty good back and forth between the two and believable. Definitely. I... I really enjoyed the competitiveness in this. Yeah, I did too. Um, Hobbs dominated most of, of the match. And once again, we see somebody... Uh, well, um, it, it, it just kind of seems like uh, we, we saw this match before with Wardlow. Though, the big guy against the little guy. Oh, yeah, you're going to see it time and time again with Wardlow. It's just, how does he play off his opponent? Exactly. And Dante did a lot of amazing offense, amazing drop kick. The guy's drop kick just blows me away how high up and, and the hang time he gets on it. This guy definitely gets some air. Oh, he does. And uh, Starks gets on the apron. Uh, during this match, Jay Lethal comes out, yanks Starks down, and then that allows Dante to get the what's called the nose dive, that double jump he does for the win on that one. Yep. Now, which pairing were you more interested in, Jay Lethal Sunny Kiss or Jay Lethal Dante Martin? Uh, Jay Lethal Dante. Uh, yeah, Jay Lethal, Dante Martin, definitely. 
Yeah, because it was almost like you caught the story at the start and you want to see where it's going. With Sunny Kiss, it almost feels like they put you in the story midway and you're like, how did we get to this pairing? Where are we going from this pairing? Yeah, and I don't think they, they know a lot what they're doing with Sunny Kiss, really. No. They she started off. One from Joey Janela to like, I kind of just middling around on Dark. Hasn't been on Dynamite in forever. Kiss has some skills. I don't know if... Did you see the Janela and uh, Kiss match? The the no DQ? I did not. I wanted to catch that. It was, it was great. It was in studio, so you didn't get that big pop feel from it. Yeah. But it, it was good for what it was. And I see a lot of good things out of Sunny Kiss. They just need to give him more airtime, I think. I think they need to build his character more and uh, not rely on anybody else. Just focus on Sunny. But I don't know where they're going with him. Me neither at all. Like, early on, featured a lot it's been less and less going and it's you kind of wonder what's gonna happen i i don't know yeah i was surprised this feud was still paying off same here same here but next we have alex marvez he's backstage with chris jericho santana and ortiz and jake hart hager so basically we got the inner circle and then Marvell says that PWI voted the Inner Circle Faction of the Year. Uh, Jericho says it's no surprise to him. Then he says that Jeff Parker and Matt Lee get involved. If, if they get involved in Sammy uh, and Garcia's match, that the Inner Circle will cut them down. Eddie Kingston interrupts, tells Jericho to mind his own business. He points at Jericho and or point points at Jericho and tells Santana Ortiz that's the reason why they're not tag champs. Jericho gets pissed and tells Kingston to shut his mouth and to get the hell out of the circle's business. Uh, Santella San, Santana told told everybody let's get let's get our shit together, and then he walks off. Ortiz walks off. Hager walks off. So it's uh, Jericho and Kingston and uh, basically he says if he get if uh, Jericho says to Kingston if he gets involved he's going to kick his ass and Jericho says I'm begging you to and Chris Jericho says GFY to Kingston which is go fuck yourself. Yeah which was funny that Kingston didn't even pick up on that. I thought it kind of added to it. It did. He's like, he said, he's all GFY. <laughs> like, he couldn't figure it out. It was good. It was good. But uh, MJF comes out next, and he's pissed. He tells the crowd that he's got the match you've all been waiting for. Uh, it's CM Punk versus, and then he says, Sean Spears typical heel thing to do acting oh, the crowd 
Yeah, and then we go backstage with uh, what I like to call the undisputed elite right now, which is uh, the Young Bucks, uh, O'Reilly and Fish, and Cole. Um, I'm calling him the undisputed elite until we hear a different name. Um, But Adam Cole and Britt Baker versus Statlander and Orange Cassidy on next week's Dynamite. Uh, is the focus and you Hang notice on. on this show they're setting up more matches for dynamite than they were on dark elevation they were they were definitely um let's see then hangman adam page comes out he talks about what he's done for the aew championship then he talks about how the hangman needs a new challenger dan lambert comes out interrupts him he brings up the the great cowboys in wrestling, like Cowboy Bill Watts, Stan Hansen, Terry and Dory Funk. And then he calls Paige an Eastern Urban Cowboy. Uh, Paige calls Lambert a walking Facebook profile, which got a big pop. Um, I don't get the joke in that, but... I think that he's just coming out and always spewing negativity and what's wrong with things. That's okay. how I took it. Okay, then I might understand that a little bit more. But then he tells Dan Lambert to spit it out, and Dan compliments Paige. He says how he respects him, uh, but he says how he didn't, how Paige hasn't politicked his way uh, like Cody Rhodes has. He says Paige has earned everything except his persona he uses as a gimmick and says basically he's full of cowboy shit which I thought was kind of funny but that that kind of seems like it was used in the weeks before yeah they've been getting over cowboy shit both in a positive and in a negative way to attack it yeah definitely and then uh Lambert uh well Paige tells Lambert to get in the ring basically Lambert gets scared off, and then Lance Archer comes out, and he acts as if he's going for Dan, then shoves Dan aside and attacks Paige, does a brutal blackout on Paige onto a chair, which uh, looked, uh, that looked terrible. Uh, I mean, not terrible in a bad way. I mean, it looked like it, it would really hurt. Looked devastating. It did. There you go. Devastating. And then that was the end of that. Then we got uh, Tony Schiavone backstage with Lee Moriarty and Brock Anderson. Arn Anderson is back there. Arn says how proud he is of Lee and Brock. He says we're in horseman country. Then Tully Blanchard comes in with FTR and interrupts. And this made the show for me right here. Oh, this was this was a definite step back in time. I, I love seeing these two together. Now, was I wrong to assume that it sounded like Tully was trying to entice Brock to come over to their side? No, you weren't. He he actually told Brock to join him and to, to leave the excess baggage or something like that. I wasn't sure if they were talking about his dad or Lee Johnson at that point. Well, they they were they were talking to Brock, saying, "Hey, leave this this excess baggage and come join the real horsemen." 
And then, uh, well, if you noticed, Arn Anderson said, hey, hey, careful. That's my son you're talking about. But And oh, then FTR joined in with, like, we're the guys that you want to be your son. Because I know on yeah. ad-free shows that whoever, I can't remember their names in AEW, but the guy with the mustache in FTR, he does a show with... Arn Anderson on Dax. He does a show with Arn Anderson on ad-free shows. So they do have a close connection. Oh, nice. Nice. I like how that ties all in together. Yeah, with AEW, they really pay off if you know the deep cut stuff. But it's just as enjoyable if you don't. They do. They pay that attention to detail, which I love. And if you watch Dark and Dark Elevation, you get the whole story. Yeah. But you can watch Dynamite and enjoy it just enough. True. But I, I recommend people listen, or not listen, but uh, watch Dark and Dark Elevation because there are some really hidden gems in those shows that you can't get anywhere else. Um, but then next we have a video package on Jade Cargill. It's heavily edited because it showed highlights of her with her her terrible match with uh, Soho, and uh, they edited it to where it looked watchable. When I watched that match, it was terrible. It was dog shit. Yep, that's the power of editing sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, then next we had uh, Sheeta versus Serena Deep, which I was looking forward to actually. Uh, yeah, Serena Deep, she jumped Sheeta during the entrance, and that hooked me for the whole match. It was only a minute 54 seconds. All these times are according to cagematch.net, also. But this match was exciting from the jump early on to the ref stoppage stuff you don't see all the time it was and i liked i liked how it ended i liked that the ref stopped and that she that didn't yield because that gives us more of an interest in what's going on between her and deep definitely this is uh this is an ongoing grudge match that AEW has been promoting it's it's a good direction i think and then uh well Dave attacked sheeta after the match after she won that with the a single leg crab and uh she just beats the hell out of sheeta's knee with the kendo stick and then the refs all came in and broke it up uh good ending i thought i thought it, it left us wanting more yeah, I definitely want to see where the conclusion for this is going. Oh, yeah. And then we got Tony Shivani backstage with Jurassic Express and Christian with them. And then Tony asks what's next for, for, for them. And Jungle Boy says what's next is whoever wants a piece. Uh, John Silver with Alex Reynolds come out. And then they challenge Jurassic, Jurassic Express to a match and, on Rampage. And they accept... So, uh, that should be a decent match, I think. That will definitely be interesting. Yeah, it, it will be. Um, 
Then we have Matt Hardy. He's in the ring with Private Party. And the address is Panta. He says he's sorry that, that Ray got injured. Then he then he says the Lucha Brothers downfall that really happened was when his team when uh Hardy's team of five and the Lucha Brothers team of five fought and got beat. And uh then Matt basically has to cheat pot out of the North Carolina crowd. And then he says he's going to delete Penta. And then we got uh, Matt Hardy with Private Party uh, along with uh, Penta and Alex for the next match. It's good to see Matt in a singles match. Yeah, I noticed that when he's in the ring with people that are a lot younger, especially Penta, he looks a lot slower. I'm not offended by his work in the ring, but it's just noticeable how much he slowed down when you see him with these quicker guys. Hey, I'm not going to pretend I don't see Matt slowing down. Uh, he is, definitely. He, I I don't know if it's injuries or, I, I mean, even the second rope shit when he does the hearty salute and, oh, and then drops the leg. Or now it's an elbow. Um... Yeah, I mean, going on in years, you gotta adjust how you, how you work. He's been doing it for what twenty something, so yeah. it's understandable that it would happen. It's amazing. Uh, what? Where do you see Matt Hardy going in AEW? It's got to be manager role, unless they bring in Jeff and they want to somehow give one or both of them a retirement. That's a strong possibility that they are going to bring in Jeff, and we just the don't most know. understandable place for him as a manager, though. Definitely, um, I'm not sure how high I am on the Hardy family office. I, I don't like Private Party. I don't see them advancing very much from that. Uh, I think they should break off and do something on their own. I was. Like- very familiar with them from the Northeast Indies. They were a great young African-American. Glory had great matches with them. Yep, but then once they joined that Hardy Family Party, they just kind of, or Hardy Family Office, they just kind of melded in with them and they became like background noise. And that's kind of sad for such a good tag team. It is because they. it's really what I see them as um, who was it in NXT that they had that I compared to Private Party at one time? Jeez, I, I, my mind went blank. I'm Were sorry. the Street Profits in NXT? Yeah, the Street Profits. The Street they Profits. Feel like, they feel like that. Or even if you want to go MSK for like that upbeat young tag team. I am not familiar with MSK. I've heard they're the former rascals. Oh, geez. Well, I got to catch up on that one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Formerly Zachary Wentz and Desmond Xavier. I can never remember their new names, but they are like a young tag team that's got like that upbeat nature like them. Okay. Okay. Well, um, basically what happens in this, this next match with Max Matt Hardy, Alex gets on the mic. He says uh, Penta has a message for Malachi Black. 
have to says he's going to show some respect to Malachi. Then the lights go out, and then a spotlight comes back on, and Malachi Black's in the ring. He attacks Alex and then Penta, and then tries to take Penta's mask off. In comes Griff Garrison and Pillman, and all street, uh, all three of them start beating on Black. Then Julia Hart comes in and tells them all to stop for some reason. Uh, Julia Hart's not in her uh, cheerleader outfit, I, I know this. She's got the eye patch on. Yeah, so you wonder if it's something going on with where she got sprayed with that mist. Exactly, I wonder if that changed her in some way. But then Malachi is, is sitting there and, and he's laughing at the three of them, pointing at them all. The lights go off again, then back on, and then Brody King is in there and clears the ring. And uh, I'm not as familiar with Brody King. I've seen him once or twice, and I think ROH, was it? Yeah, he was in ROH. His team was Violence Unlimited with him, Chris Dickinson, Tony Deppin, Homicide, he no. actually teams with Malachi Black in PWG. They're the PWG nice. Tag Team Champions. So, so this is Caliber a, should be familiar with them. Yep, this is a big bruiser tag team. He didn't acknowledge them as Tag Team Champions, but what did he call them, like Kings of the Black Throne or something? Yeah, he yeah. Particular no- name. So he acknowledged them as a team. And I feel like in the coming weeks, we'll get more of that deep dive into them. He also announced them like, is this is this the new House of Black, which which on TV, this is the first time I've heard of the House of Black. So maybe Excalibur talking about the House of Black, I believe, like it might have been like the deep dive, like maybe on Dark and Dark Elevation. Something like that. It had to be. But this Kings of the Black Throne feels like a team within the house of black almost a reference to the dark and black metal that they like like oh it, and brody, their music is is excellent i i posted it on the i page. was about to say brody king is the lead singer of a band called god's eight a death metal band that for a pro wrestling lead singer is surprisingly good they're really good i checked them out just the other day and i was blown away i i really i'm a big metalhead punk rock guru but uh as far as metal is concerned they're about as metal as it gets i feel like they've got more metal credibility than chris jericho tries to squeeze out of fozzy i would agree with you and Fozzie's not bad, but it's just when you've got the punk rock way that Brody King delivers it versus the almost wanting attention way that Jericho delivers it, it comes out, it feels different. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't seem as cheesy. Uh, although I love, I love Judas. I love that song as his theme song. And I love Jericho's knowledge of metal. It's very catchy. I I like Jericho as a singer. If you listen to him, he almost has that Ozzy Osbourne range with his voice. Yes. Prime Osbourne. Like, I'd say mid-Sabbath to, like, early solo stuff. 
definitely, definitely, yeah, I, that's definitely, you nailed it on that, it is, it, and, and I'm not disparaging Jericho's music at all, but, uh, that God's Hate band, I, I checked them out, and I was, I was just, I was really taken aback, I'm like, this is really good. Yeah, yeah, when you put Fozzie up against it, they're both good, but it's just night and day. Yeah, it is. Well, Mal- Malachi uh, got this suplex in, and he threw it to he threw the the suplex over to Brody, and uh, Brody catch caught the guy and power slammed him, and uh, it just looked great. Definitely, the whole thing. And then uh, next we got Tony backstage with Layla Hirsch, Chris Statlander, and Red Velvet. And they talk about how they're going to have a, a trios match on Rampage. And then they and then uh, Tony asked Statlander about the... the wait. Uh, what do you ask her about? Uh, oh, asked about the, the mixed tag team that she had with Orange against Britt Baker and Adam Cole. Yeah, basically asking her if that mixed tag is taking her focus off this six-person tag, which yeah, caused that... Leela Hirsch to speak up, and they caused some dissent in the team. And I'd like to see her and Leela Hirsch. Uh, they're both excellent wrestlers. I'm, fan- I'm a fan of them both. Layla Hirsch is amazing with her suplexes. She's the female Taz. 100%. Definitely. I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but uh, uh, then uh, Red Velvet chimed in and says that they, they both need to get it together. And that kind of sounds like an earlier promo with uh, Santana. Santana telling everybody they need to get it together. It, it kind of seemed like a little pattern to me, but that was just a, a little thing I noticed. It's definitely a pattern, but here it's more forced only because with the Santana thing, he's like his friend Eddie Kingston, a guy who he's teamed with, is almost putting him at odds with Chris Jericho, the leader of his faction. And if you noticed him, both of Proud and Powerful kind of ducked out like, yo, you guys need to settle this. I kind of yeah. think that it's like, we're on both your sides, but you two got to work this out. And if you notice, Jake Hager got out of there without saying anything. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, what do you think about Kingston and Jericho as a tag team? As a tag team, yeah. I'm not excited about it. As a match... I'm a little more excited about it, but I, if you built it up, it would be all right at Evolution. I feel like it's going to get a half-ass buildup, and it's going to be on Dynamite. No mm. offense to anything. When I say half-ass, it's only going to get half the buildup that it should be. But they've got so much talent, so much big things going on, so many potential people coming in that they almost have to do everything quick just to get these things out of the way. Plus, you got to remember that Tony Khan is not an experienced booker. So if you want to look at what should happen in wrestling, he does a lot good because he's a fan, but he's also got that chance to jump the gun 
and make those bad decisions from time to time. Yeah, and we're going to see a lot of that. And let's remember that AEW is a, a, a young, a virgin company. And for what, they, for what they've done in the past two and a half, three years, I think it is amazing. It's amazing given who's behind it. And mm-hmm. like given that the Booker is an experience, like there are wrestling minds there. He's got like a good mix. But it's also an inexperienced company, an inexperienced Booker, and we gotta take it how it comes. Definitely. Definitely. Well, next we had the acclaimed versus Bear Country. And uh Caster in his rap takes a shot at Sting and Darby, calling them bitches, essentially. Setting up a future match, as we will see. Definitely. And the match starts out at at kind of an even pace. Both teams look good uh, during the match. I, I didn't have any real big complaint about this match, but it didn't stand out in my mind either. No... It's really only here to put the acclaimed going forward. They get yep. the win. They've got the match with Sting and Darby coming up. It it was good enough. These guys, Bear Country, once again, solid tag team. I I'm looking forward to Bear Country in the future. I really am. They're they're a couple of big guys. I haven't quite seen a pairing like them. I liken them to Earthquake and uh, what was his name? Was it Typhoon? Uh, Ty- Typhoon? Yes, the natural disasters. Yes, yes. I kind of liken them to them because of their look a little bit with the singlets and everything. Uh, yeah, they are actually. I, we had one of the members of Bear Country on our podcast, the Working Fans Podcast. Nice. And we lost the interview. Uh, and that was when they were like, they were on the indies. They were just about popping off. And that's one thing about about podcasting is it doesn't always go smooth. And sometimes you'll get an interview. It'll go beautiful and it will be lost the time. Yeah, I could see that happening. But uh, basically, we got the acclaim with the mic drop on this match. And they're walking up the ramp. Sting's music and video plays. Sting comes out uh, with his his bat. And uh, then in from the opposite side comes uh, Darby in the ring. And uh, Darby dives onto Max and and Sting attacking Bowens with the bat then gets in the ring and he Scorpion Death Drops Caster which looked great and I always love seeing Sting in action yeah it's been really good to see his comeback like when we saw what happened with him in WWE we almost believed that he couldn't get back in the ring and seeing what he's doing is amazing He's amazing at his age, at his physical condition, at his charisma. He's still got it after, what, 30-plus years of wrestling? Yep. 
I, AEW has an absolute gem on their hands with him, and I'm glad he's where he's at. Uh, then we get a vignette with Pac, and he's blindfolded with these tarot cards falling. He, he says he might be blinded, but his vision's clear in the promo. Uh, very artistic promo. It did a lot to hype his return. I'm super excited for it now. I am, and I love Pac and everything he does. Um, then Tony Shivani's backstage with Matt Hardy in private party, and Matt talks about his his how frustrated he is with the loss. Andrade Elidolo comes out. And he says, I've got business, you've got business, I love money, you love money, basically. And uh, him and Matt Hardy agree, and they walk off together in that. So there's some type of alliance forming there. And then we got our main event, which is the interim TNT Championship, as, as we're calling it right now. Daniel Garcia versus Sammy Guevara, and I know you are very high on this match. Oh, I am. Anytime Daniel Garcia is in the ring, I am big on it. Oh, oh yeah, he, he's he's impressive, isn't he? Yes, especially for an up and comer like him and an MJF. God, I'm trying to think the other guys that are super young that are getting like this big push even if you want to give it to a max caster a guy that hasn't had a ton of time but he's getting over with the rhymes like controversial or not he's getting attention and that's important i love the acclaim because of max caster i mean he's what he's what hooked me in to the acclaim and anthony bowens is no slouch himself yeah, I think it's a little weird that AEW almost doesn't get behind the LGBTQ connection with him. But maybe uh, they're doing it just to push the acclaimed as like that big tag team. Or maybe 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 he doesn't want to acknowledge it all at all and wants to get over because of their simple performance and not because of their lifestyle choice. That's a good point. I mean, he puts it up on... It's tough because when you're a wrestler, it's like when you're putting stuff up on social media, and especially when you come from a community like that, like, do you feel the need to put it over or does the character that you're assigned by the company kind of hinder that? We'll have to watch it going forward. Not saying that AEW is telling him not to talk about it, but it's just not featured as much as I would think. I I, I agree. I think they should should uh, play up on it a little bit more and, and give it that much more of an edge, at least. Because, I mean, they're more representative with that than the WWE. And uh, there's your diversity right there, Big Swole. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's tough because... I mean, I'm a white man, so anybody listening is like, yo, shut the fuck up when we're talking yeah. about diversity. But exactly. I'm going to throw in my two cents anyways, because I feel like representation is important. And I'm not discounting the points that Big Swole is making, because 
anytime you talk about representation in society, it definitely needs to be worked in more. But I'm not saying that AEW is hiding anyone. They're featuring a trans star. They're featuring... I can't... I don't know how many necessarily gay wrestlers, but... I would say more than one or two, and not that that's proper representation. Well, you obviously got got Sonny Kiss. You got Sonny Kiss. You got... um, Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose, yeah. That covers actually two trans wrestlers. And then what? Kira Hogan, that's one gay wrestler. Yeah. Sorry, this isn't going to be the we're going to find the gays in AEW podcast. No, it's not. It's not. Let's not not get into that because I don't want to get into politics and all that mess. No, but there is something to be said for Big Swole's argument, but that's not to be decided here. Staggered and I are breaking down the wrestling on the face of it. I'm sorry. On the Working Fans podcast, I get into discussions like this, so... I will take us off the beaten road. That's cool. That's cool. So let's get into our Danny Garcia versus Sammy Guevara. Uh, David Crockett was present again. So big presence to have in North Carolina. This was great to see. Definitely. And, and Jericho and Kingston are at ringside for this. The match start off. It started off with a pretty aggressive tone. Uh, You're going to get that from Daniel Garcia, and that's what I love about this guy. I, I, I love Daniel Garcia. He is so believable. He is 100%. so believable. He, he, he makes me scared for the competition, you know? that That's what I want in a wrestler. Somebody who makes you, like, actually nervous for the other guy. From, from such a young kid, too, and... There's a promotion, Limitless Wrestling, up in Maine, where Daniel Garcia held their heavyweight championship. Nice. I could see him doing that uh, in AEW if he, and it sounds kind of like hypocritical, but if he bulked up a little bit, I think he'd have the look and the skill. If he bulked up a bit, but God, if I, I don't know his age necessarily, but let's say he's 24. I think he's 23, 24. I think you're right. Okay, give him 5, 10 years. How many of us got fat in 5 to 10 years? Like, no shit. if we got fat, he can put on a little muscle. And, like, he's intimidating now, but he looks like an 18-year-old who tries to... He just graduated high school, and he's going to take his shirt off at the gas station and intimidate you. It's like, yeah, Jim- I've got regrets older than you. Like, <laughs> calm down a minute. I know, but genuinely, he he would intimidate me as a person. He would because that promo that he did on, what was it, Dark Elevation, that was the most conviction I've heard in his voice. Oh, yeah. he didn't have 2.0 almost giving those, like... He doesn't doesn't need 2.0 in my view. I think he should split off from them all together. No, not at this point, because it's almost like if you have him talk... And then you have them talk. They almost feel like the comedic relief that comes in on this serious promo. Okay. And That's... this kid's like the white Minoru Suzuki if you give him time. He's got that same menacing presence. 
He's got that same love of wrestling. That's why Minoru Suzuki versus Daniel Garcia is one of those matches I wanted to see from this past year. Yeah. Um. Well, during this match, I think Sammy. Uh, not. Well, Sammy uh, gets a sharpshooter put on him by Daniel Garcia, and what I love about Daniel Garcia's sharpshooter is that extra torque he puts on it. Oh yeah, like if he's gonna put that on, he's gonna make it look good. And I he feel did. like he studied people like Suzuki to give that extra. Oh yeah, he made it. He made it look brutal to me, and especially when he leans back on it and just does that. But then in the match, uh, 2.0 showed up. They they took out uh, Kingston, and then they go after Jericho, and then. Uh, Jeff Parker and Matt Lee both at at different times get on the ring apron and Sammy knocks him down each time but ultimately he did a GTH on Garcia for the win Uh, then after the win David Crockett presented Sammy with the belt shook his hand then 2.0 started attacking Sammy and Jericho and Kingston came in and then beat down 2.0. Kingston shoves Jericho, asking, uh, what are you doing? Getting involved in my business, that kind of shit. And then calls Jericho selfish, that I that I heard. And then they both got in each other's face and uh, they went off the air. It definitely feels like they're setting up for something between Kingston and Jericho at some point. I'd love to see that. That would be great. It Dynamite definitely didn't let us down this week. And I thought all across the board, if you watch a Dark Elevation to Dynamite, it slowly gets better as a show. And that's what I like about AEW is if you want the whole picture, it's almost like if you're a fan of the Lord of the Rings films. And you watch the Lord of the Rings and you're like, I like this. And then you're like, oh, there's a Hobbit prequel. And you watch that, you get the whole story. That's like watching Dark, Dark Elevation, and Dynamite. You can either get the whole story or you can just get what you watch on Dynamite. And any little bit can be watched on its own. But if you watch it all together, you get the whole idea. And it's a lot of wrestling to take in. It's it's almost equivalent if you watched SmackDown, Raw, 205 Live, main event. It's just kind of what do you want to put your attention into? True. True. AEW does so much right. And I think it's because they're run by pro wrestlers who are pro wrestlers, not sports entertainers. They're pro wrestlers. Yeah, and I mean, there are times where they dip into that sports entertainment, but it's hard to avoid because you're on TV. You got to get ratings. Sometimes you got to do it. But I would argue that AEW is definitely... There's more wrestling minds behind that than WWE. Definitely. And that's why I cover them, and that's why I've been watching them for these past two and a half, three years. it's the whole thing that hooked me into them is because they were focused on the wrestling and on 
professional wrestling and not being embarrassed to say that's what it is definitely now lee it was great talking AEW again with you this week definitely I cannot wait to join you next week and see what else dark dark elevation and dynamite are bringing us oh i can't either and uh i can't wait to see what gcw has in store for us because i'm well not giving serious thought but i'm thinking we're going to do a show on that as well nice now actually next week when we record i'm actually gonna do a short gcw segment because i'm watching gcw now do as it. We record they've got a shot a show in detroit and then they also have a show tomorrow night so next week we are going to cover aew and i'm going to give you a quick preview of gcw and with any luck i can talk stagger lee here into doing a weekly gcw show i don't think you'll have to do much talking me into it i am in on that listeners if you want to hear that let us know join the unscripted violence facebook group and guys we will see you next week yes and thanks guys and this is stagger lee and producer joe signing off till next week good night